0: there and welcome to this week's Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright. Before we move on to a visit I made to North London last Wednesday, I've received an email from a Jenny Foregrove about choosing a flute. Now I can't tell you where Jenny is from as she hasn't said, and all she's given me is a Gmail address which gives me no clues at all. Anyway, Jenny writes, My flute teacher has said that I could do with getting a new flute. However, my parents can't really afford a new instrument and also can't understand why I would need one as my current flute is playing really well. Well, Jenny, this is a hard one and one where I can't give you a definitive answer as your teacher could do with speaking directly with your parents on this. You do, however, have to give your parents some wriggle room here as remember that to a non-flute player, a flute is a flute with the difference being potentially one being much more expensive then another one which the uninitiated looks identical. If your flute is performing well for you at the moment, then I'm presuming that your teacher is wanting you to really develop your sound, and to do that, then the addition of some precious metals such as silver often will help you on your way. Most flutes are made so that the new player can develop as quickly as possible with their sound production. However, as you become a better player then you need more tonal flexibility which is why flutists upgrade to silver head instruments or even if they have the financial capabilities straight up to silver tube if your parents do not have the financial ability at the moment to upgrade your instrument i hear you say will it affect me no if you truly love your instrument and practice as much as possible then it's your music making which will shine through on whatever instrument you have The bottom line is having the funds to upgrade your instrument. If these aren't available, then be open with your flute teacher, as I'm sure it will affect very little your development as a musician. I'm sorry I can't be more specific. However, I know lots of musicians in Asia and in Eastern Europe that don't have the financial resources and yet make wonderful music. Anyway, thanks for the email, Jenny. Right, moving on. Last Wednesday... I jumped on a train into London and then caught the tube to meet up with an old friend. I always go posh, Theo.
1: You've gone, gone all George Martin on me. <laughs> oh dear! I'm. What day is it today? Do you know? I'm, it's It's Wednesday today.
0: Oh, I thought it was Thursday. No.
1: <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody, and um, I'm in Finchley, a beautiful part of North London. <laughs> And yeah, there is South Londoners and there's North Londoners. And we're in the posh bit now. We're in North London. And I am back again with one of our favourite podcast interviewees, Theo Travis. Hi, Theo.
1: Hello. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, we're in your favourite restaurant again. We
1: are. We come here all the time. Coffee's good. Food is really good, actually. Yes, pasta here is as good as Italy. (laughs) Uh, Is is
0: that after a few glasses of the bread?
1: (laughs) Your listeners can't test it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know the coffee's good. Coffee's good, yes. No, it is good. Here. I'm going to try and grab his attention. Yes. A couple more flat white okay. be fab. So what have you been d- You've been away. Um, I have. I've been on a Soft Machine World Tour. We just came back from America about a week ago, actually. And I'm just about over the jet lag now. So we released an album about six months ago. And we started off in... We went to the Montreal Jazz Festival in Canada. And then we had just over a week in Japan. And then after the summer, we had a European tour, all in the back of a van, going trundling around Europe. You still do that? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do. But yeah, we we have, do. We have our, our current tour manager is a super fan who started off um, just coming to all the gigs and being a mad fan and then basically wanting to help. And he, he, he does help, and now he helps so much, he actually drives the band, <laughs> does the tour managing, and helps John Marshall with his drums and stuff. All your yeah.
0: illustrious musicians, all you old guys, you're not <laughs> old, you're the youngster of a lot of them, and you still do the tour
1: bus. Yep, still do the tour bus, Yeah. In fact, we, are, we rather like it, because basically the four of us in the band, and Nick, the tour manager, who does the merchandise and drives the band, were were kind of super mobile so we did this complete two-week tour in September in December we went to the Netherlands just to do well one gig in the Netherlands and one in Germany and it was the same thing the five of us in the van um, you know crossing driving around back home it's 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 quite efficient really for a band Um, as I say one other guy we've got the agent manager who sorts the stuff out but we just go out like that so it works it's uh, economical uh, it's a happy, happy bus, and it works. Yeah.
0: And what's interesting for me is that you introduced flutes into the Soft Machine. Yes, compared yeah. to Soft Machine
1: Legacy, where it was purely sax. That's wasn't right. It? And, and back in well, you know, back from when Elton Dean uh, was in Soft Machine in the you know, early, very early nineteen seventies, he uh, you know he traditionally played alto sax and saxello, which is kind of a long straight alto. Uh, and there was someone else, Lynn Dobson, who did soprano, and there were some uh, there was some flute on some of the records, like uh, I think Jimmy Hastings, um, and Lynn Dobson. But um, certainly since obviously legacy, since you know 2004 or whenever we sort of restarted, um, there was no flute. So when I joined in 2006, um, I brought in the flute. Um, the tenor saxophone and the soprano saxophone and in fact on the new album Hidden Details I brought in my Trevor James alto flute Yes, 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 so yes The grand finale of the whole album is just a big alto flute loop fest which actually we use as our walk-on music as well Interestingly alto because it's all very al- Yeah, because this track is very textural, atmospheric it sort of finishes the album off very nicely Someone, and it wasn't me, in fact, came up with the idea of having that as a sort of atmospheric walk-on track. So we play it from the album, walk on, get all the stuff ready, and then bang into the first uh, track on the gigs. It works nicely. So alto flutes now and soft machine as well.
0: So you do soft, smooth, ethereal type, <laughs> frog rock.
1: <laughs> well, I not know how smooth it is, but it's, it's ethereal, textural, atmospheric. Yes, and how, what, how do you find it when you
0: you're, go, you're playing the tenor sax and then you put that down and you're picking up the flute? How are your chops at that time? Do you have to think about it, or is it so so natural now you can?
1: Well, I've done it a lot over the years. I think when I started playing flute on gigs or rock gigs, having done a lot of tenor, my lips were took a while to adjust, but now I've I'm kind of used to it and um, so I can put the tenor down. Well, in fact, the soprano, you probably need a tighter embouchure. So I can put the saxophone down and pick up the flute, and I'm kind of OK. Um, I think just doing it a lot just gets you used to the subtle difference uh, in the embouchure.
0: So. You're a great believer in and a great exponent of looping pedals. How does that work in
1: Soft Machine? Well, interestingly enough, when I first joined the band um, because it was something I did and enjoyed doing. I just brought it along. Um, Hugh Hopper, who uh, was the bass player in the band at the time, was quite into sort of experimental loops and textures. um, So he was quite open to it. And basically I just brought it along and tried it and no one said no. So I carried on. Sorry, I'm just trying to get us attention. touch another coffee. You want another one, don't you? I do, yes.
0: (laughs) And the, the band, they're quite open to these sort of looping... How do they react to it? In other words, you were telling me earlier that... A large part, you have a set when you go on stage and some of it is initially scripted and then you have chordal structures that you work around.
1: Yes, some, some, well, some pieces we have chordal structures that we work around and we do improvising over well, either a chord structure or maybe a repeated bass line, a lost or a riff. There's a lot of riffs going on. But there are other pieces where it's there might be a, a melody at the beginning or at the end, possibly, um, but then everything else is a free band improv totally open to whatever one feels good is good. musical. Isn't that scary? No, it's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, see that's the way, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I think it's fun. Because I, when I, I talk I, I,
0: to, I like it. When no. I talk to people, improv scares people, you're one of these that say, Oh no, it's fun.
1: Yeah, it's fun. There's I, no
0: mistake, it's just another note.
1: It's fun. I, I don't have any no. So um, in in those situations, sure I'll get the old looping pedal out and start building up a texture but I might stop it you know three seconds later because one it's a bit like being a boxer you've got to kind of constantly aware of whatever's happening at any time in case you get a jab to the upper left or right so depending what the music's doing you have to respond and you have to be very quick Um, so yes what I wouldn't do or wouldn't be appropriate is to start some big looping texture and just let it go on and on and on because well, you're just taking over and kind of steamrolling whatever else might be happening in the music. So that would be inappropriate. But um, there are times when, yes, I'll start a texture. Absolutely. So will John Etheridge on the guitar? He's also got a looping set up. So you can build up um, these nice textures and it can lead the improvisation into interesting areas. Um, So sure. And no one's ever said, don't do that. (laughs) Well that
0: helps. So how do you communicate? Just um orally or are you visually listen? Yeah, listen and play. And um, you know when they're gonna come to an end of a No, you don't know anything. Oh, good <laughs> grief.
1: You don't know anything. You listen and play and sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse and and people often don't say either way. So you just kind of vibe it, really. Okay, so you're you're gonna come in. You're due to come
0: in after Etheridge. He hits something that is Oh, you think? Oh my word! This is great. Do you feel that, or do you feel the vibe, or do... you
1: Yeah, but if I, if it's great, I'll either smile because it's great, or I <laughs> smile, <laughs> or I might join in because it's great, oh, okay. or I might not join in because it's great, and actually, it's about time I shut up. So it's there aren't really rules except you're trying to make the best music, the best group music you can. And you need to be sympathetic and you need to listen like hell and you need to decide when it's good to contribute and you just need to decide when it's good to shut up. So we just hold on to those little concepts that you've just done, said, because whilst a lot of our
0: listeners may not necessarily be comfortable in improving, and may not be in a famous band like yourself, those attributes of... Shi- oh, sitting. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that out, I think. Of sitting still... Not sitting still, hang on. Those attributes of keeping quiet, yeah. knowing when you contribute or not to contribute, yeah. and also not trying to take centre stage, being yeah. part of the collective. Yeah. That is an important message for
1: anybody in life, really, isn't it? Certainly as a musician. I think so, yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think you can roll it out into broader contexts other than you know, group improvis- musical improvisations. I think that's right, actually. Because I always find,
0: despite your success and many world tours, you, are, you remain very
1: grounded. And Actually, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend who teaches on a very established um, higher education music course specialising in jazz and improvisation. And our discussion was such that, you know, he's doing great work and it's a good department, I won't say where it is. And I said, well, it's, it's great that you're doing all this and it's really interesting, but actually there aren't, you know... In the real world in Britain, you know, going around jazz clubs is a tough old, you know, circuit yeah. financially in terms of the I won't call it the job market, but you know, working or income and all that—that that sort of aspect of, of being a professional player. Um, and there's these various higher education courses you know, turning out these, turning out these extremely proficient jazz musicians who can then, you know, travel 300 miles for a door money gig in Cornwall. Is it really... What do you think about that? And and one of his answers was... uh, Musically, it can be applied to a much broader um, uh, palette of things. You can actually apply it to all sorts of... As you said, different types of music. But also, it's actually a skill that you can apply to a broader thing in life. There are a lot of people who will study philosophy... At university and it doesn 't mean they 're going to sit in the cafe and philo- philosophize to their friends and they might do that but actually I mean I actually know interestingly I know uh, a, an oxbridge philosophy graduate who is now the manager of a well known rock band and he 's a very bright he 's clearly a very bright guy but he 's also very adaptable he 's kind of taught himself about management he 's taught himself about music recording, he's taught himself about accountancy, he's just got that sparky mind and he has a way of thinking that he can apply to lots of different things, as indeed you can. as you've uh, I, try. Yeah, I try, I try mean, my you, best. You t- told me before about some of your uh, understanding of thinking and psychology and how that can be applied to very broad aspects of... Uh, work and companies and you know life and people's response. Just the, being the presence of mind to think slightly more broadly in whatever you do, I think that's <laughs> a very valuable tool.
0: Oh, it is, and especially if in this changing world. <sighs> oh, And But if we take you back where you are now, which is, I say, you're, you're not you're not pigeonholed. Thing with you, Theo, is you're not pigeonholed in jazz. I say you do prog, but you're also we, we spoke briefly about soft machine, uh, soft machine a bit earlier, where you are not stuck in the 70s, late 60s, 70s. You're bringing a new, fresh vibe to it. So it's sort of jazz and it's progressive and it's
1: and it's free break, improv. It's, and it's free electric improv. rock. It's all sorts of things. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you actually started as a classical musician, but because you allowed yourself to break free. The, the basis of what you learnt as a classical musician the structures the discipline you then just said yeah, that's great that was my roots of my tree but then you just sort of the branch out and that is available for everybody to do if they believe they can and should do it isn't it?
1: Yeah and, and, and think slightly to be one moment oh. Uh, yeah,
0: we've just caught his attention. Pause? No, I'm not in the pause. we we we'll yeah, okay. okay, We're going to have to make it real. We've got pretend... are going to make it real? we got pretend noise okay, going on in yeah, here. Yeah.
1: Right. So that's the coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> he's I'm on the phone, on. isn't he? Um, what was I saying? I was saying about... about yeah, anyone can... Um, he's going to come over. Do you want something Oh, different? yeah, I was going to uh, say. I'll have a... So yeah, I shall have a regular regular. Latte. regular this and then
0: flat white flat. again. Yes, thank you. That's a flat white for New Flat year white listening.
1: and a regular latte. No, what I was going to say was, yes, um, I musically, yes, so I think the path we've, we've said before, so grades as a child, then a classical music degree, um, and then sort of studying jazz primarily on my own, but with, you know, summer courses, etc. But my kind of route into prog, or, or more experimental stuff or you know, whatever, using electronics has purely been led by a, a passion for that music and wanting to have a go and getting involved Hold on to that,
0: everybody passion for music or that type of music and wanting to get involved because without that passion that you wouldn't have really been able to do what you've done because it's given you the drive and enthusiasm
1: I think that's right. So when I was, you know, a teenager, I was a huge fan of the band Yes, and would just listen to them uh, for ages, and, and Pink Floyd, and King Crimson bands like that. And obviously, being a sax flute player, you know, I'm not a guitarist or a drummer or a bass player. So you kind, of, you know, I wanted to sort of bring some of that musical world into my own playing, and also I wanted to, I don't know, just kind of try and uh, inspire. Try and make music that I found as inspiring as I found that music. So I would try different things, you know, and I'd play with other people and basically just have a go, just try stuff. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I, I do remember when I first started using pedals with my flute um, because I get that nice sort of echoey, fluty sound, which sounds nice to me, As simple as that. I would do it occasionally. I tried it in a studio in the early days and was told more than once that I couldn't do that because this was a balanced input and that was an unbalanced input and it was wrong and you can't do it. To which my response was, well, I'm doing it and it sounds nice. And I think sometimes you just have to, you know, if something, just go with what, what you like and, and what, how you feel you get to a sound that you like and try stuff, really. I mean, some people, I think, might be keen to do what they're told is right or what they think is viable um, but I've always kind of experimented just trying to make music that turns me on and then hopefully the theory is that it turns this pair of ears on hopefully it'll turn someone else's pair of ears on. And that's the message for all our listeners isn't that
0: what music they make or what music I'm speaking directly to the, the listeners now is what music you make it doesn't matter where you think you stand on the performance level as a comparison with other people it's just that if you allow yourself to enjoy, you allow yourself to make what you believe is lovely music, lovely sounds, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks
1: that's right, we all have a, every single person has a different experience of uh, music of life Um, and therefore you're going to bring different things. I mean, everyone has, you know, if you look over your life, the stuff you've heard going back to when you were a child, you know, it's inevitably going to be a huge different combination of sounds, you know, and that is the the mixing of it all up compared with whatever training you've had, you know, that makes you, you, and therefore will make what comes out of your writing or composing or playing uh, more individual,
0: being you, you not being you trying to be somebody
1: else. Yeah, exactly. Being you, you. That's right. Does that make sense, being you, you? (laughs) Well, you being you, not you being um, Charlie Parker, or you being what you think is Charlie Parker. Because Charlie Parker, you know, doesn't grow up in Muswell Hill in 2019. He grew up where he did in America in a completely different time and place and, and cultural context. So... Yeah, I think think it's good if you can explore your individuality in your music because there is only one you and therefore your music will be individual if you allow it to be. And ultimately you've got to believe in you. I think that's right. And that's
0: the hard bit, isn't it? To actually believe
1: in you. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, And obviously one doesn't know if it's going to be of appeal to others or not, but I think initially... You know a lot of the pleasure of playing is the pleasure of playing, and therefore, you know if you do what something that you feel is valuable and useful and musical, then uh, there's no downside to it: Do you know, I'd like to carry on, but there's, there's such positivity. I
0: I think the coffee's coming over again. All right. Are we shall we uh, we could pause? Shall we pause and yeah, pause say for slurping. Perfect. <laughs> pause for slurping and I'd like to say Theo thanks again for leaving your home <laughs> to come and enjoy scrambled eggs and fine what, coffee fine coffee it's always really interesting to speak to you I've actually you've given me a signed copy of the album which yes, I'm going to go details. back and listen to go and, go and get it people uh, there's some again. fine
1: looping flutes on that in fact yeah did you say the last one Breathe the last track Breathe features the uh, the altar. and
0: it's called Soft Machine Hidden Details and John Etheridge as we all would know on electric and acoustic guitars Theo, whoops, Theo Theo, <coughs> I need coffee on the tenor, soprano, sax, flutes, and the Fender Rhodes piano Roy Babington on, as we would know, on the bass guitar and obviously John Marshall on drums and percussion and this is going really well this album isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been received very well sales have been reasonable for this day and age um, and yeah we're, we're very happy with it so um, people might find it of interest. As I say, there's, there's a lot of different areas from tunes to quite heavy sort of you know, jazz rock to textual uh, music lots of flutes, uh, flute, alto flute um, uh, and some sort of guitar textures uh, to tracks and the reworkings actually of a couple of old soft machine tunes as well. So it's quite a varied album, we're, as I say, pretty happy with it. So
0: for me, growing up and studying a very strictly classical um, orientated way on the flute... As did I. Yeah, you did, but you allowed yourself to break away. I remained within this very tight confines, this structure... And only now, in my later years, am I suddenly realising that there is life and there's notes and there's textures and there's sounds and there's vibe and there's a feeling. Vibe, yeah. It's all about the vibe. All about the vibe. And on that note, shall we uh, dive into the coffee? Yeah, thank Thank you. you, Thanks great for your time, Theo.
1: Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Shall I I actually go for this one? Yeah, slurp. (laughs) Good one. Thanks, mate. Again, yep. Interestingly, a friend of mine said that one of the most important things about improvising, uh, or musical improvisation on stage, if not the most important thing about it, is that it totally brings you and your life into the now. So that while you are playing, while you're improvising, you are, you are actually focused on your life in that moment which is something we rarely do. We're always thinking about, what am I doing later? I'm working because I need to earn some money, because I need to pay for the holiday or the mortgage next week, or when I'm older I need to do this. So you're constantly thinking about not now, or you might be thinking what you did ten years ago, or what you should have done ten years ago. So to actually have your whole mind of mindfulness focused on the now, which you do, I think, when you're improvising and really focusing on what you're doing, is perhaps the most important thing about it as a player. What a bonus.
0: Bonus bit of improvisation there as we finish our coffee. (laughs) Ah, Right, from Talking Flutes Extra this week, thanks a lot for listening and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. What wonderful words of wisdom they were from Theo, especially on the freedom that one can have in improvisation, providing you are in the moment. Being in the moment now, that is interesting, isn't it? Because how often are we in the moment? Ah, I can hear another podcast coming on. Anyway, Claire returns next week with her talking flutes. So until then, thank you for joining us and wishing you a wonderful musical week ahead. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit Trevor Jamesflutes. com.